Woke up quick at about noon. Hey, and we welcome you into another Friday night edition of the podcast with Demi Barling here on the Be Heard podcast platform. Brought to you this week, as it's brought to you by every single week, by our friends over at Vibe Health Bar. Use your favorite delivery app, whether it's a DoorDash, Grubhub, whatever it may be. Postmates uh, to get your Vibe juice, smoothies, acai bowls delivered to you. We appreciate you so much for tuning in. This is a, as they used to say, a very special episode. I had told you I wanted to do a kind of a Terramana Talks live uh, with some of you here on the podcast and let you kind of dictate the conversation, do a Q&A and all of that great sort of stuff. And that was the case today. Got a bottle of Terramana next to me. I got the Zoom open in front of me, and I want to start uh, admitting everybody now in, in into the Zoom call. I have no idea how this is going to go, by the way. This is, this is going to be new to you. This is going to be new to me, but I'm hoping it becomes a, a, a very regular thing. I'm pretty excited about it. So I'm just going to shift gears here for a second, excuse me, and hit the admit all button and just kind of see what happens. But I think it's going to be fun. Hello. What up, Neil? What's up, man? Neil, what's hey. up, baby? <laughs> what up, dog? How are you? Good, man. How are you? I'm hanging. I'm hanging. Thanks for yeah. letting me in. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. This will be fun. Yeah. Jack, you there? Yes, I am. I'm Jack, just, what's uh, up, man? Uh, nothing much. Oh, okay. We got the background. Man, did I get that right? Everybody's got microphones, man. I love it. I love it. Man, did I get that right? Am I saying that right? Yes, sir. That's it. What's happening, man? I'm doing well. Just just happy to be involved in this. Oh, man. I'm happy you guys did it. Did anybody bring? I see that looks like you're drinking a soda, but it's Terramana Talks. Anybody got the hey, 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 hey. <laughs> let's go, baby. Let's go. Sponsored episode, right? Yes. (laughs) This episode of the podcast here on the Be Heard podcast platform is brought to you by Terramana, the tequila that I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a catchy, uh, catchy slogan writer. Thank you guys for doing this. Thank you guys for doing this, man. This is fun. I know I've talked about doing it for a while and this is, uh, this is fun, man. This'll, this'll be cool. So, you know, my idea was, you know, I come in here, I do, I do the radio show five days a week. Like y'all are obviously professionals. You got microphones set up. You got headphones set on. We got Kings gear all over the place. Like, what do y'all want to talk about, man? I see virtually everyone except me and men's got Kings gear on unless men's got some on that I can't see. Uh, but whatever y'all want to talk about, man, let's just dive into and, and, and have a discussion. Don't worry about you know, raising hands or chiming in or doing any of that weird Zoom stuff. Just whatever y'all want to talk about. Let's let's jump into it, man. Who wants to go first? <laughs> or y'all just want to get into the case? Y'all want you want? Did you? See, I'm sure everybody saw the 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 schedule release. And dude, the Kings got nine back to backs in the first. I, I guess it's half the first part of the season in the schedule that was released today. They got nine back-to-backs. They don't play the Lakers at all until March because we know LeBron probably is going to be playing sparingly and, until then. And look at it, man, all of the teams, and I guess I understand it to a certain degree, but all of the teams that are loaded with back-to-backs are the bad teams. And I guess that's because, like, Detroit has nine back-to-backs. Um, I think Charlotte's in there. Like, a lot of non-playoff teams, and I guess that's because – they didn't play deep into the playoffs like the Lakers did, like the Heat did, like the Heat have the Heat, the Lakers, uh, Toronto. 
one or two other teams, I can't remember which ones, they have like the least amount of back-to-backs, but like all the bad teams are, they're, they're, the front half of their schedule is loaded with back-to-backs. Well, that seems by design, right? And I mean, like for the Kings, this year is about taking lumps anyways. I mean, that, that could be okay. Like it could force them to have like a deeper bench utilization on those back-to-backs. I'm cool with that. We want to see guys yeah. get on the floor this year. I'm okay sure. with that. Sure. Yeah. We need some silver well, linings to the rain cloud of 2020. Yeah, no doubt. Getting some of those guys on the floor that we wouldn't be seeing a lot of otherwise. Like we we don't even know what rotations are going to be working. So that's okay. Get some combinations out there. Guys are tired. For sure. Neil? And first hearing you mention it, because I I had not been caught up on very much of the schedule yet. And uh, and, and first hearing it, it's like, man, that's messed up doing that to all the bad teams. But in the end, you know, th- this last year was so crazy and things are still crazy. I, I actually love, uh, and the NBA has been better about it than any other uh, league, in my opinion. I, I love how they are rolling with the times and and thinking out, you know, I mean, uh, uh, the, the, the teams that play deep just finished, you know, a couple yeah. months ago. It's not a normal offseason. Yeah, and, you know, it's what's what's a, a thing to think about, Steve. You brought this up a minute ago, like what the rotations are going to look like. Man, not just for the Kings, but just for basketball teams, like the depth. Like depth is going to be so important because we don't know, like, if there's going to be positive COVID tests. There's just no there's just no way around it. And there's going to be games canceled. There's going to be games rescheduled. There's going to be games moved. But what we don't know is like what, like, like if someone tests positive on a team, are they out like a minimum amount of time is if, if one player tests positive is the game immediately canceled? Like, cause there could be a situation like, what if you have you just for argument's sake, but buddy and De'Aaron both test positive. Right. That means you're going to have to run with a different lineup than maybe you expected. You're going to need. And I think the CBA approved this the uh, or the NBA and the NBA approved this uh, revision to the CBA. I think the roster, they're trying to push the roster from 13 to 15, which makes complete sense because you're, you're going to need more guys available to you this year. I was going to ask you if that passed yet, because I, I think that's a fantastic idea. And it's a great opportunity in, in the Kings particular circumstance because you know they're we got second round picks that everybody wants to see if they got anything in them or not yeah i mean i mean I just from following the nfl and, and and the disaster that's become the ncaa there's going to be breakouts their players are going to miss games and i laugh when everybody's tripping on what our lineup's going to be man our lineup could change from week to week because yeah. of the, the virus alone yeah. Yeah. I mean, COVID, they had like what, 8% positivity first round of tests. Yeah, and crazy players aren't traveling yet, even. So you got that. You're going to have short off seasons. You have injuries for all the, the weird back to backs that you're talking about, squeezing games in when they're not scheduled yet because of postponements that are probably going to happen, inevitably going to happen. It's going to be a weird year. But um, it, I mean, I, I liked how you posed the question actually going into baseball season because you said something to the effect of, well, so like we got Miami right off the bat, the Marlins get a bunch of COVID positive rates, but you don't know what the MLB threshold is for canceling a game, canceling a series, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you said, I think it was like a month later, like the NFL, we know how they're going to roll with this. It's who gets it, not how many guys, but 
does Captain America get it right? Yeah. So then that's gonna gonna prompt cancellation. So I'm not sure how the NBA is gonna handle it. But well, and and, and the funny thing about that is, be interesting. I was wrong. Like I I, I was I was dead because I, I I thought okay, here here's what we know about the NFL. They're not gonna cancel like a, a standalone network game. And to this point, technically. They haven't. They did move the Thursday night Thanksgiving game, but it, there were two other Thanksgiving games uh, on that day before they moved Baltimore and in, 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 uh, Pittsburgh. Then I thought, okay, they'll cancel it if you mentioned Captain America. Patrick Mahomes, the reigning MVP, got it. Missed the, the, the rescheduled, rescheduled, rescheduled Thanksgiving Day game. And... They never, they didn't move to the 18th week. So th- th- there's no scenario to me now where they can move to an 18th week to like the, you, you, you had 25 Baltimore Ravens either test positive or go to that COVID list. And he didn't cancel the game. There's no, they, they desperately, the NFL more than anything wants to say, and you can already see Roger Goodell. It's a tremendous accomplishment that we haven't canceled a game. Like, no, it's not. You just haven't canceled it. It's accomplishment. It's your decision to not cancel it. It was your decision to not cancel the game when, when uh, Kendrick Bourne had, I, I guess it was a false positive. I don't really know what happened, but you had all of those guys associated with the 49ers out that Thursday night game against the Green Bay Packers who were also battling uh, uh you know, positive COVID test on their roster. And then you had the situation where the Las Vegas Raiders had like their whole defense. They had like 10 guys go to the COVID list. I think eight of them came off. Two of them stayed on. You didn't, you didn't cancel that game either. So there's no threshold for the NFL. They want to get through the season and they want to be able to say, we did it. But Steve, your question is great. Like what is the threshold for the NBA? The NBA, I think will be a little bit more responsible than the NFL has been especially given the nature of their game. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't know what calls for, okay, guys, we're going to have to cancel this game or, Hey guys, we're going to have to move the next three games. It, maybe it depends how close the games are. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure. It's something, it's something we're going to find out together. I'm sure the NBA has a, I'm sure the NBA has a plan. But, you know, Mike Tyson's line about a plan. Everybody's got one. And when COVID <laughs> punches you in the face, you know, it's, it's going to be a different story. Well, it kind of makes sense the way the NBA kind of stacked it, right? Like the, the bad team, or I like to call them the young teams, there you uh, go. Are, are playing a bunch of back-to-backs because if they have to move or cancel that, those games won't matter, you know. But, you know, when, you, when you're talking about LeBron and his boys, let's stagger them, give them a couple days rest in between. So if COVID hits, they're only canceling maybe one maybe two on well, sure. primetime TV goes with that too. Right. Cause they don't want to cancel yeah. those, those primetime games. They don't have to. That's a good call. Yeah. Those, those Thursday night TNT games. Yeah. That's a, that's a good call. Neil. Uh, a hypothetical, just like considering the 49er situation right now, you know, uh, if a state has yeah. any kind of ruling like that, like an NBA team, not being able to play at home for three weeks, that's a that's a bigger animal, a different animal than than uh, NFL team that plays once a week. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a great point. It's something I've certainly thought about. That 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 was a Santa Clara ruling. Um, right. We, you know, the greater Sacramento area is under some pretty uh, tight restrictions right now, but 
that doesn't involve the Kings. So it's interesting that Sacramento was really willing to, to kind of navigate. It's going to infuriate people because it's going to infuriate, you know, businesses. Cause we're, you know, the end of this thing isn't close. I, it, it, it kind of feels like it might be, but it's, it's, it's really not close. And I think we might have a better, like a better idea come come January, come January 21st when there's a new administration <laughs> in. And I now, now and it, don't get me wrong, I'm not of the belief that, you know, January 22nd everything's going to be better. Yeah. Like that's Same not going to happen. Right. But we you know, we have a, a a leadership that is an administration that is virtually ignoring what's going on because they're focused on their own personal stuff. And with that it's kind of like Okay, we're we're waiting out the clock. We know there's a vaccine. We know the vaccine is rolling out. But ultimately, what is that like what does that look like? Dr. Fauci once said like the end of next year. The end of next year has morphed into potentially the summer or the spring, but right now it all feels so freaking far away. And just I, and, and I uh, I understand, you know, the the thing with the Niners, that's a Santa Clara thing right mm-hmm. now. But just the way the numbers have been going nationwide, it's really not that unrealistic to consider that being like a state situation at some sure. point, someplace. And and there's a lot of states the NBA plays in that are smaller than than California. So you know, it, it, uh, go it, it's so weird how we're just not operating from the same playbook. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, like we Arizona, somewhat of a playbook. Yeah, a like don't. It's so weird. Like Arizona's partying, Florida, yeah. kicking it. Like, <laughs> and meanwhile, you've got California that's like, nah, we've really kind of blown this thing. Like, let's settle down. Let's try to get ourselves back on track. And there are other states who have been minimally affected. There are other states that have been greatly affected, but there's no, you know, I, I, I appreciate what, what uh, uh, the president elect said on CNN uh, on on Thursday, when he said, "You know, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna ask everybody to wear a mask for a hundred days after inauguration," and it's like, "Cool, that's great." In Good theory, <laughs> like in theory, like that would have been a lot better about six months ago if everybody had, you know, if 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 we had come up with that idea. But now it feels like because the mask thing has been so politicized and people are are fighting it and they're angry about it, and it's like, dude, just if you got to go outside, put a mask on. Like if like it's not that big of a deal, just. Throw a mask on, move about your business. I remember, you know, when I did that, um, you know, we did that stuff with the Be Heard Young People, uh, the the Fight the Power video. If you guys follow our social media accounts, hopefully you saw that. That was the first time I had really been downtown. That was the first time I was in a big group since the pandemic started. And, And we filmed that in October. So I went from March to October without being in a large group. And... It was weird at first. Like you, you, we have, you know, we had the be heard mask made and we put them on and it was kind of weird at first, but then, you know, we were out there for like three and a half, four hours. By the time we were done, it was just like, yeah, it's not that bad. Like it's, it, I mean, it's not bad at all. It's weird. Like you're talking to like a deuce and Mo were out there. Kenny was out there. We've got these masks on and it does feel kind of weird at first, but in the end, like you don't really know that it's there. And we were out there for four hours. If you're just going to the grocery store, you're out running around. Like I don't, I, I never understood why it was such a big deal to just throw that thing on. So point being, I admire Joe Biden for saying, Hey, this is what we're going to try to do. 
I, I just don't know that it's going to work. I, I, I just don't know that people are going to go, oh, okay, because Joe Biden said we're going to do this. Like, let's go ahead and do it. Well, I think that leads you to an even bigger conversation. And forgive me if you're the one who brought this up um, about a week or two ago, but what does it look like when we go back to like quote unquote normal, when we go to our next Kings game, what does that look like? Because if you look at the last major thing, somewhat in the same vein like this that happened, it was 9-11. And now everybody yeah. gets on an airplane differently now. And we don't think anything of it 20 years yeah. later. So what does it look like going to uh, downtown SAC and catching the Kings game in a year? Like, it, are we cool with spacing out and lines were getting concessions? Like, what, what, what's new normal when we come out of this? I think it's going to look weird to us now. Well, well, like right now, we're looking at, okay, we're, we're trying to get vaccines. And there's no guarantee that these vaccines are going to be as effective as they are right now. But if you look at like Japan and Korea, where wearing masks to prevent like regular disease, you know, just regular flu isn't as, I mean, that's just what they do. You know, yeah, it's not looked upon as weird. It's not looked upon as weird. So eventually we're going to get to the point where, hey, if somebody wears a mask or they, you know, they want to wear a mask, they can do that and they, it won't be that weird. But partially because of, what some people have been saying for months uh right now you've got half the country who believes oh that's terrible it's infringing on my rights and then the other half is like no yeah. <laughs> that's not it yeah it's, I, uh, it, it's frustrating go ahead neil sorry i i no, it's good i i, I just I, I i i i'm not hopeful that it's going to become a new norm uh, to accept it because it was politicized so badly uh, from the get. Yeah. So I, I think there are going to be people like, I know for, I can speak it for myself. Um, there are going to be new norms for me, you know, like I, I literally, I get most of my stuff delivered, you know, groceries and, and stuff. And I, I wash everything before I, but, you know, put it mm -hmm. away. And I believe that's going to be a new norm for me just because, I mean, that's just a smart thing in the end. You don't know who has the flu or any other thing when they bring it to you. So I guess it, it this has helped me on a personal level understand like how easy you could bring something you don't want to your, your home. But I, I think going on afterwards, the, the people who believed in it are going to learn something from it. And the people who have hated it all the way through are, are just are going to hate it just as much. Yeah, it's it's it, and, and that's a that's such a it, it's such a fascinating question about like the new normal and like what's new, what's different, because I think, you know, I wonder if it, it, you saw it. Did you see the 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 Warner Brothers announcement about like in 2021, their slate of movies is going to come out on HBO Max, like every movie yeah. they, they put together is going to come out on HBO Max for like a span of 31 days. For me, that's awesome because I've never been the I've never been the like go to the movies. I want the big screen and the sound. I got a guy. I mean, I got, I got the 65 inch or what it, whatever it is like. I've got good sound. I got a bathroom nearby. I got a bar that's not twelve dollars, <laughs> uh, you know, a shot and, and, and popcorn that I could throw in the microwave. I love the idea of not having to go to the movies. And if that means subscribing to HBO Max or subscribing to one of the other streaming services, man, I think that's fantastic. And I'd wondered, I had been wondering this since, you know, since, since the uh, future of uh, theaters had kind of 
come into question during all of this is, is would major motion pictures go with these streaming services for a short period of time as an alternative or in, in, in Warner Brothers case, in addition to a release in the theater. And that's something that's actually, that's something that actually sticks around following COVID because for me, shoot, I love it. I'll, I'll subscribe to your streaming service and watch every damn new movie that comes out. Cause I always say, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go see this movie when it hits the theaters, dude. I never do. Like I'm well intended. I just, I never go. Well, hey, first off, everybody should be subscribing to HBO Max because Fresh Prince is there. I mean, that's he's not wrong by itself. He's not wrong. Um, but I, I'd say that they, there's going to have to be some calibration that goes in there because, like, uh, Disney Plus is doing something similar, and they'll they'll drop a new movie on there. But like, I, I wanted to get Mulan for my yeah, wife and my kids to watch with me, and it was an extra thirty bucks beyond the subscription. Man, they it's like it was a cover you. charge to get the movie. So I mean, they're going to have to calibrate something there, right? Sure, I think Neil? that's the model, though, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, like I, I, I think you're right. It is, but it's also like, like, how many kids do you have? What, like, are are you bringing a date? How much money yeah. are you going to spend on food? Like, they got to get your money one way or another. Right. Neil? Absolutely. I, you know, uh, I, this is a, a totally weird direction with it, but I honestly, you know, like, so much of business has gone bad because of the ban- pandemic. But I believe in a lot of ways, this is like a convenient switch for the the movie industry because I think the majority of the world feels like you do. I'm not saying I know people love to hit that theater, uh, but I, overall, I think people now everything is so at your fingertips. And if you could get a brand new movie at your fingertips, they yeah. rather do that. And I think that I think it's smart of Warner Brothers. They're like, you know what? We could capitalize on this. I think it's smart. it's paying for convenience, right? And and yeah. I'm I, I, I'm the type of person who will, especially now that my schedule has changed a little bit, I'll pay for convenience. It, it you mentioned having your you know your groceries delivered for a lot of people that that is a that that, that that that's a great safety measure, particularly now. But if things go back to normal, I think I started getting my groceries delivered before the pandemic started. I, Just. I, I'm one of the few that's been using Instacart since like the beginning of it. And it messed me up when all you knuckleheads start using it. Cause now <laughs> rather than getting it two, three hours from now, I got an eight day wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's just kind of like one of those things where like, I'll pay the, the, you know, the tip and convenience and you realize there's, you know, the, the, the door dashes and all of those, all of those different things. And it, and, and for many people, it's a safety measure. And for many people, it's a convenience measure. And I looked at it for me, like I will absolutely pay a couple of extra bucks for convenience. And if it's to watch, you know, Wonder Woman 1984 <laughs> or, or what, you know, the, the variety of movies that are coming out on HBO Max, man, I'll absolutely do it. I'll absolutely do it. Honest That's God me. truth. The last time I was in a theater, the movie was, um, was it called We Are Marshall? That with uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the last. I mean, it's not just a blind thing. I used to go to movies, but I, I, 
I, I, I'm more book person as I've gotten older for, for certain, but I, I like, I love quality sound. So sitting in the movie here and like, I, I, I went to Top Gun like 80 times <laughs> in mm-hmm. the theater because the sound was fantastic for me, but I, I, I haven't been to a theater since that, that movie. So I, I, I could care less what, you know what I mean? Bring it on. I'll check out new movies right here on my couch. You know, I was kind and, of, and was, Neil, you're saying you're a book guy. I, I, I've been telling Damien for years, he needs to like own Oprah book seal, you know, on it, like a sticker <laughs> on all his Damien Barling approved books. Um, you Have you read anything great lately? Me? Anyone. Oh, I just read Obama's new book and it's fantastic. I just finished it. I, I just finished the, A Promised Land. And I, I don't, I guess I didn't pay attention to enough of the interviews. I didn't realize that it was, it, it's 700 plus pages on his first term. Well, not, not his first, it, it, it leads to, it's very short on his um, like childhood. And it's not like, you know, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pages on his childhood at all. It kind of, it, it really gives you a little bit of background, gets to uh, Harvard law or, or and, and then goes on to, you know, the Senate and kind of goes from there. And it's, it's a lot on that first term. Uh, but I just finished that uh, this weekend. And so I have a couple of books uh, that I'm ready to get into. I have a book on the Black Panthers that I wanted to start. Like I I, I had it and I had it geared up, but it was like I got it a week before Obama's book came out and it's pretty lengthy. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to start this because when I start something like I absolutely have to finish it. So I'm going to start that book next. But I, I did finish. It's the I've read a, I read uh, Bill Clinton's book which is a snooze fest. Like it is awful. And given, you know, all of the controversy surrounding him and Monica, like that book was terrible. It read like the longest Wikipedia Wikipedia page ever. And I read George W. Bush's book, which was actually really, really interesting up until like, like right after 9-11 he you know he obviously reading about 9-11 was from his perspective was phenomenal reading about the terrorist threats that the, the, the terrorist threats that they had the terrorist attacks that they thought were coming in the immediate aftermath of 9-11 was really really fascinating but there was a point where the book just died like it completely like it completely died and a lot of that had to do with the financial crisis and in, in, in his inability to you know, accept, accept responsibility for where it was. But I've read, you know, presidential books on, you know, JFK, FDR, President Obama's was the, it was strange because I listened to it. It was really weird hearing the 44th president of the United States say fuck over and over again in the book. <laughs> and like, it, you know, it's kind of one of those, I was texting, I was texting someone who, who had listened to the book also. And there's this moment where the first time he says it, it's like, he, oh, Mr. President, like, oh my gosh, you can't talk like that. But he does it like it's, a, it's the realest memoir i've i've ever read from a president it's it's really good i'd i'd recommend it it's it, it's it's an it's an enjoyable book it's a really enjoyable book I, neil I'm what was the last so book far... neil what was the last book you read um you know what I, i'm not a big fantasy reader overall 
but I, my favorite series of the uh, of all time is a series called The Wheel of Time, written by uh, Robert Jordan, and I, I love it so much. I'm reading it through again. Okay, so I, I'm on like book five of fifteen. Steve. So. Oh, I was just going to say um, one that I finished fairly recently that I'd recommend. It's not as much on the social justice platforms, but it is about um, kind of like systemically why people kind of act the way they do now. Um, Jane Mayer's uh, uh, Dark Money is fantastic. And it's not a super long read. It's like in the 400 page realm. Um, and I, I would highly recommend that. It spends a lot of time talking about the Koch brothers. So uh, thinking about like, why institutions are set up the way they are now and that does have racial overtones but um systemically why we are the way we are as a nation it, it was a great read i could be wrong i feel like garrett temple read that book and recommended it to us i'll have to i'll have to look that up jack i'm getting antsy man i feel like you're not saying enough man and, and, I, and it's bothering me man I, t- take us take us somewhere jack where where, where you want to go now what, what do you want to talk about jack well, uh, we could, t- I mean, I'm sure you guys have been talking about it nonstop. I haven't, I haven't been able to listen to the radio show very often. Um, but like the, all the, the free agency signings with the Kings and other things going on, you know, the Westbrook and, uh, wall trade. Okay. So let's, 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 let's start with the, that, that big NBA news and, and, and we'll get back to the Kings. Open the door to Westbrook. There we go. There we go. Pour another drink, everybody. So what do you guys think about Westbrook, man? Um, okay. No, seriously. Westbrook for wall. I, I, well, how I, much of Wall is making it to Houston? I mean, that's a, I just I I looked at that like okay. Houston is just throwing spaghetti against the wall here, like Chris Paul didn't work. Russell Westbrook didn't work, with and I'm talking about with James Harden. It's like okay, let's go get John Wall. Oh, by the way, John <laughs> Wall with Bradley Beal didn't work. So let's pair him with James Harden. Like, I, I didn't understand that. I fe- I remember when that rumor started like a month ago. And it was like, that is fucking ridiculous. Like, why would they do that? Why would anybody do that? John Wall hasn't played, and I calculated, this is 710 days. John Wall has not played basketball in 710 days. He was injured nearly two years ago. And... I just thought that's crazy. Russell Westbrook was 27, seven and eight last year, 27, seven and nine last year. They're not going to, that doesn't make any sense. They're not going to do that. And here we are. Like, I, I, I guess, according to, I don't remember if it was Adrian Wojnarowski or Shams. One of them tweeted that, that there were, there were legitimate talks a month ago. It had kind of died down. And then they called the, you know, the two GMs connected. It was Raphael stone and Tommy Shepard. They connected again and, hammered out a deal by the afternoon and it was John wall and in a, a, a very protected first round pick for Russell Westbrook. I love the deal for Russell Westbrook. Like as, as, as just a player, I think it's going to work with Bradley Beal. He's shown that he can, I don't think he has to take a back seat to Bradley Beal. He took a back seat to James Harden. I think in an attempt to win a championship, it didn't work because I don't think James Harden is a championship guy. James Harden, in, in my opinion, as the number one, isn't a championship guy. 
Now, if you put James Harden and he's willing to take a back seat for Steph or for KD or Kyrie, maybe, maybe in that sense, he's a championship. I just don't see James Harden's game turning into uh, some sort of championship. Man, you, you're you too quiet, too. I need you to I need you to jump in here. Westbrook and Wall, what do you got? Oh, I was going to clock out for like 20 minutes uh, to let you vent on the Westbrook thing. But... <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I, 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 think it's a, I think it's a great trade for, for Washington. I think for what Washington's doing, trying to bring, you know, the talent to that backcourt, make Beal happy for the next what, however many years he's there so he doesn't walk out mm. on them. I think that's great. I have no idea what Houston's doing between John Wall and Cousins. That's like one ACL and one Achilles together. Well, so I, I don't even know what's left there. Cousins is okay. I actually kind of like the pairing of those two. Yeah, Cousins yeah. is okay because it's 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 low risk, high reward. Yeah. Christian Wood is over there, and I think that's a good pickup for them. I don't know how he's going to be utilized with with uh, Harden, though, because like you were saying, uh, having Harden being in the in the number two spot, his game is predicated on him just hammering the hell out of that ball. So yeah, I don't know how he, how he moves to the, the, the second – like i don't know i, I, I don't I, see it working and that's why right that's why like he's 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 gonna remain the number one with john wall there i just i i don't get it i i don't get Harden. period he got his mvp i don't think he'll get another one and i just he's not my favorite player i'm no, not sure he's if he's no fun to watch and that's the other thing man like the and i i I give him credit. He knows how to game the system. Like he knows how to work the refs. He knows how to take advantage of the rules, but it is maddening to watch. Yeah. You got to give him respect for understanding and, and, you know, dedicating himself to his craft. He's amazing. What he does It's just not fun to watch at all for me, at least. And if he goes like to Brooklyn, is he going to be the number two guy? He can be number one guy. If he goes to Brooklyn, he's three. I think he's a third option too. I mean, how's he going to really deal with that? I don't think Kyrie's giving him the ball ever. <laughs> yeah, there's I, one ball. Yeah, like this I, is the this is the epitome of hey, there's one basketball, guys. Yeah. I well, the question be... is, who do you pair him with? And in general, like who would you pair Harden with in the league? And I can't see a guy or anybody that really fits with him. The, the, the answer is no one, Neil. <laughs> uh, I I I without Harden going to Brooklyn am not a believer in Brooklyn. Like I'm, I'm not a believer in, in Kyrie. I, I know his talent and I, you know, I know teams are better with him on it than they are off it, but I mean, like he's a more talent ego wise, like a more talented buddy healed. Like he's got to always make something about him, you know? So you said Harden there. I, I, it's like, you got two out of their three, you know, they got a big three and two of them have ego problems bigger than I think uh, what, what a team can work out. I, I, I don't see that team working as it is, you send Harden there, there, they'll be entertaining. You know, yeah. that's, that's a lot of basketball talent. They will not win a championship. The Kings will win a championship as soon as Brooklyn will. Okay. I, oh, all right, Neil. Honestly, okay, Neil. So, so. I know. I know. <laughs> they're not there. They won't get past I, the second round. So, you know, to be fair, as I don't, is, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Harden to Brooklyn works either because Harden makes $41 million. And that was the other dynamic to the Westbrook wall deal. It was a dollar for dollar deal. And it was like, well, Houston's under this deal. Washington's under this deal. Fuck it. Let's just swap guys and try to figure it out and see if it works here and see if it works here. But with Harden in Brooklyn, you have to give up massive, massive assets. If you're Brooklyn, like you have to make the dollars work and you have to give up 
almost certainly future first round picks. I don't think it works in any way, shape or form for Brooklyn to wind up. I think what Brooklyn has right this second with no James Harden works perfectly. I'm anxious to see Kyrie and KD together. I'm anxious to see Kyrie and KD with that roster that was out there together, but I don't, I don't buy the, I don't buy the James Harden to Brooklyn thing at all. I don't know if I'd go as far as say to the Kings win the championship first, <laughs> but I don't like Brooklyn in that situation at all. Let me redeem myself a little bit. Another <laughs> thing I believe that has been kind of proven is it's really hard to fit talent uh, under the cap. Yeah. Talent around three max deals. A hundred percent. And, 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 and James Harden is on the super duper max. He's on that, you know, 41, 41 per year, or 40 plus per year, at least. Well, Hey, Neil, you started talking a little bit about kind of stylistic play or the style of play for, for basketball. And I'm going to take it in a slightly different direction. If, if everyone's okay with that, um, talk about some of the guys that Kings are bringing in. Cause it seems like maybe Monty McNair is showing us a little bit of what he values in like the second round picks he made with with Woodard and Ramsey. Um, but I, I'd be interested to hear, Damian, if you have had any conversations with um, maybe Bobby Gerald about this, because I don't know if you noticed, his website was not super hot on those two guys. And his write-ups were not bad per se, but his write-ups kind of led me to believe they were being overvalued. However, the, the, the positives in his scouting reports for both of them um, really played up to what like Kings fans revere. And they really like guys that have max effort on the floor uh, that, that work hard, that have that blue collar mentality. Like you, you talk about that. We all see it. And it seems like Woodard and Ramsey are two guys who fit that mold. Do you think that the Kings are looking for like a culture shift there with those picks in the second round? Look at Steve driving the ship here. We got to get Steve a podcast here on the be heard platform. Hey, if you um, want to talk baseball, I could probably do it, Damien. I'm just saying. Oh, dear God. Uh, <laughs> I know. Uh, right. You know what? <laughs> we'll do, if this is a wrestling match, when baseball comes up, that's when I make the hot tag, and you come in and you 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 handle all of the baseball stuff for me. You got my number. Not a problem. Done deal. Um, yes, I actually I did see Bob. I, I, I love Bobby Gerald. I, I, I don't reference him on the air because I know he's, he's, he's the other station's guy, and they utilize him. Uh, quite a bit, but I love Bobby. He is a college basketball guy. And I did notice, like, I didn't notice before the draft. I noticed after the draft, uh, what he had, had, had written about those guys. And it, it, it's, it's difficult because we've, we've, it, it's, it's fascinating watching different media people trying to get a, trying to interpret Monty McNair. And Monty has spoken, I think, for a total of 14, maybe about maybe about 28 minutes, 29 minutes. He's got like minutes. two pictures on the Internet now. So we're good. <laughs> and, you know, we're all left to figure out, OK, we, we, you know, we everybody ran with the word, you know, flexibility after his first press conference. We, we want to be aggressive. We want to be flexible. It's like, oh, OK, flexible. We think that he means money there. Buddy makes a lot of money. Harrison makes a lot of money. Bogey is due to make a lot of money. So we all tried to go with that. And then we saw how the bogey situation played out. He spoke shortly after that. He spoke after the, um, or not after he spoke right before, you know, training camp, uh, the first, the, the, the first round of individual workouts started that training camp will actually start depending on where you're listening to this is starting on Sunday, uh, in terms of actual practices. But we tried to determine, okay, 
he 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 spoke there and he used the word aggressive again and we all took the word aggressive to mean uh, or i'm sorry not aggressive flexible flexibility we all took the word flexibility to mean contract wise okay what does he mean in terms of flexibility contract wise and Another thing that he talked about, those were the words everybody hung on, but the things that he he talked about leading into the draft and coming out of the draft were uh, high IQ guys. You know, he talked about uh, uh, competitiveness and intelligence, and that's what, you know, when you research uh, uh, Ramsey, Woodward, and, of course, Tyrese Halliburton, were these guys are really smart basketball players. We talked to Tyrese Halliburton's, coach at Iowa State that night uh, during our, our draft day show on ESPN 1320. And that was one of the things he kept going back to. This is a young man who, who if you put him in a position, he'll, if you put him in a position where you tell him to do something, he's going to be able to do it. Like he is a high IQ guy. And so we're all trying to interpret what all of these moves mean for Monty McNair. And the truth is none of us know. It would be totally disingenuous for me to tell you, oh, I know what Monty McNair's thinking. I have no freaking clue what he's thinking. I think Monty McNair would rather stab himself in the thigh than speak on these Zoom calls and talk about what his intentions are with the Sacramento Kings. I just don't think that that's his style. But I will say with all of that, um, I like the direction of the... I've bought into Monty McNair. and And I think part of it is... I never, I never believed in Vlade, and I, I think I've said on this podcast before, so I, don't, I, I, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm dropping any news here. I silently rooted for them to fail because I wanted Vlade gone. I knew this team wasn't going to succeed with him, and given the fact that they, they cleaned up all sorts of things in the organization, I didn't like. I am uncharacteristically optimistic for this team, and not optimistic in terms of playoff runs, not uh, uh, optimistic in terms of breaking this 14 year drought or anything like that. I'm optimistic in the terms of, I believe they're taking steps to getting better. I'm anxious to see what buddy Hill does. I've bought into buddy Hill this year. I have no freaking idea why I, but I've bought into him. I believe in money. Mc, I believe money. Minister. We're all on the same page. I don't know what page that is, but I know that buddy Hill is an extremely skilled shooter. And if Monty McNair has the influence over the coaching staff that we've been led to believe that he has before he got here, one of the things Daryl Morey says is he works in conjunction with our coaching staff. That coaching staff was Mike D'Antoni. I haven't been the big, I haven't been the biggest Mike D'Antoni. I don't want to say fan. I am a fan of his. I, I believe he's phenomenal. He's just not a championship coach. You could be a really great coach and not be a championship coach. And I think that that's what Mike D'Antoni is. He's just not a championship coach. And we've seen it time and time of coaches hall of good. Exactly. Right. Steve. Well done. And you know, I, I I'm kind of buying into that. And I think the thing with Luke Walton this year is he has more help. He has help from the front office. He has help from Alvin Gentry. He has help from his coaching staff. He has, you know, guys who have, Hey, we're looking out for you in this regard. We're going to build something here for you in this regard. And that's always been my uh, kind of prerequisite to this whole thing. If Monty McNair is giving Luke Walton an honest chance to succeed, I'm rooting for it. And and, and, And I'm buying in. If he's not, and if it's just, I don't want this dude to be the coach. 
I just can't fire him this year because management told me I can't fire him this year, then the hell with all of this. But if he's giving him an honest chance, I think it could potentially work. And I think Monty McNair is building out this roster with these IQ guys, these high IQ guys that he was talking about shortly after the draft in, in, you know, Woodward Ramsey and, and, and Tyrese Halliburton. And I like the addition of, of, of Hassan Whiteside, uh, Jack, I know you mentioned this earlier. You wanted to get into free agency. You wanted to get into the Kings, what the Kings were doing. I love the addition of Hassan Whiteside on a one-year deal, a couple bucks. Psh, why not? He averaged 15 and 13 last year. Three blocks need that. Hey, run with it. Why not? I just remember like last year, you know, we got Alex Lynn from the Hawks and all of a sudden I, I know we, there was a lot of things that led to, you know, that 20 game stretch of, Oh wow. We're actually not that bad. Uh, yeah. But I think one of the things that really helped was the fact that we had a seven foot big center who you know, maybe wasn't, he wasn't even like the, the most efficient offensively, but it, he gave us size and you couldn't legitimate, you couldn't just walk into the paint and expect, cool, I'm going to have an open shot. It was cool. You better shoot it over this guy. (laughs) Um, So with Hassan Whiteside, because it's a, I mean, it's, it's pennies, right? Yeah. For, for, for what was it? It was the league minimum, right? It yeah, was. I, think so. um, and, I mean, Whiteside said that himself in that Jason Jones article. It was either today or yesterday. It's like, man, our game plan going into playing the Kings was get in the paint, beat him up. And he's like, we're not going to have that happen this year. And he was talking about with him on the roster. So hopefully that's that's signs of good things. But I mean, there's a lot of of uh, people who follow this stuff really closely. Don't want him to play a lot of minutes. And um, I thought it was it was pretty good deductive reasoning that they have a couple of pretty good trade assets. One of them is Rashawn Holmes. And, you know, if they deal him as much as that would suck for us who like to watch Rashawn Holmes, what kind of a player, like what type of player would slot in behind him to play bigger minutes midseason? That's a white side. So, like, I, I don't know if, if that's given some more, like, tips of the Monty McNair hand of what he's really got going on in the next couple months. But I wouldn't be shocked if they traded a fan favorite like Holmes and said, all right, well, you know, Hassan's going to play 30 minutes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I don't, I don't want that. I like Rashawn Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I do too. I, He's you easy know, to root for. He's just so good. Yeah, yeah, and you know that's a that, that, that's a great line though. Your your first point is is he's easy to root for. He says all of the right things. Like he said yesterday, I think I have the clip here in 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 my bank because I oh no I deleted it already. Sorry, but he said uh, he said uh, in in his in his in his media session. I think it was yesterday. Hey, it's not going to be no cakewalk when you come around and, 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 and play Sacramento. He he was a big admirer of Hassan Whiteside, who has such a unique journey in the NBA. We were outlining that today on ESPN that he, you know, he comes to the Kings. We all know that that didn't work. Then he goes overseas. He comes back from overseas. He's playing with Miami and his numbers just go up year one, right. year two, peaks in year three and they go down a little bit in uh, and, and when i say a little bit i mean just a little bit in like year four year five and you know he's 10 years into his career and it's it's such a unique journey between being drafted by the kings not really playing going overseas going to a, an incredibly stable organization like miami winding up in portland back here in sacramento for 
you know, the, 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 the league minimum deal. And you've got in, we haven't even mentioned his name yet. Kaminsky, you got, you, you got Frank, the tank, uh, Hassan, and now you got Rashawn Holmes. And then of course, you know, the, the, the big question mark, which is a, a sec, sexy topic of conversation, Marvin Bagley. And if you got those guys healthy, you got a front line that I don't want to say they're, you know, you, you know, uh, Rashawn's line was we're, Oh, we're going to be a problem. I don't want to go out and say they're going to be a problem, but they're certainly interesting. So speaking about a guy like Bagley, I got a question for you because you, you, you talked to Doug Christie and that dude sees basketball in a different kind of way than yeah. the average person. Like yeah. even the average person that watches a lot of basketball, I'm wondering, has he ever mentioned anything to you specifically about um, like what he wants, wants Bagley to work on so that he shores up some of the defensive weaknesses, like, okay, see how he's going to take, like he, there's a screen coming. He needs to do this. He's not he's not uh, rotating well on this switch. He needs to do this. Does he mention like super deep analytical stuff like that to you in conversations? Please, please share all your private conversations. With you. <laughs> well, no, like that, 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 that's that's that, that's a that's an amazing question. And I remember a specific conversation from a couple of years ago, and there was nothing secret about it because we talked about it on the air later. It's when I was still at uh, the other station. We were. I remember us being courtside and we were talking about guarding in the post and, you know, Marvin isn't particularly good there as you just noted there, Steve. And he was talking about how you can, you can by feeling the, you know, the direction of a player feeling the direction that the player is going to go by their weight. And he kind of like mimicked it on me and he was backing me down in the post and I go one way and he goes another way. And I'm kind of looking at him and he's explaining this all to me. And he was like, you know, if Marvin did this and, and to be fair, he wasn't talking, he, he, he was absolutely talking about Marvin, but he was talking about post in general. Harry Giles was, he was talking about Harry Giles in the same way. He's talking about, we've got to be better in the post here. And he's laying all of these things out. Doug Christie is an incredibly defensive, uh, a, a, an incredible mind when it comes to, talking about defense and he's a, he's a, he's a fun analyst to listen to on the air. I don't know why Del Christie isn't, you know, on somebody's coaching staff working his way up, 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 up the so-called, you know, food chain in, 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 in coaching, but it, Marvin has his shortcomings, but I think there are things that can, I think they are things that can be corrected by being on the floor. I think there are things that he has to experience from different centers. I think there are things that he has to experience from going against different players that he hasn't experienced yet. Not, not to a, not to the degree of a, like, I, I think the number of his, like the total number of his NBA games is equivalent to less than a season or close yeah, it's to in the seventies. Yeah. yeah so he in in this year, it's if, even if he's completely healthy, it's it's still in the seventy. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 not even a full eighty-two game slate. But I, if we can get Marvin, I think the number I said the other day was sixty-six out of the seventy-two. And again, this goes back to the earlier conversation we had. This is assuming that seventy-two games are actually played. <laughs> but if he plays in the ninety-plus percent of the Kings games this year, and he's not missing games because of injury. I think he's going to be marketably better. You know, we saw that they picked up the Kings picked up his fourth year option this year. Of course, that was a no brainer. Like there's no question about that, but unless of course you're Vladdy Divac and Harry Jot. There it is. Never, never, for never mind. Sorry. I was for that. My bad. Actually, My bad. Oh. My, uh, apologies. Hey, finish so, your thought, but I want to ask you about that. 
okay, so the, the, the point being just, I, I think the only thing we need from Harry is health. Or, the, excuse uh, me, the only Marvin. thing we need from Marvin Bagley. Yeah, the only thing we, we need from Marvin Bagley is health. And once he gets that health, I think he'll get the... He just needs time on the floor. That's all he needs, in my opinion, at this point. And if he proves me wrong along the way because he's healthy, I'm willing to accept that. I just hate the idea of not knowing because we've seen Marvin out there and we've seen him be really, really good. Uh, I can handle him coming back, being completely healthy, and it's like, oh, damn, we were wrong. Marvin stinks. I can handle that more than, damn, if he could just stay healthy, what can we get out of him, Neil? So on on the Harry Giles thing, I I I wanted Harry Giles when when before yeah, they traded, did. I I wanted them to use the tenth pick on him that year. So mm-hmm. when they still got him at, at twenty, I mean, and mostly just hearing your response, mostly because I was reading articles that you know teams like the Spurs wanted to take a to, you know uh, to take a flyer on the dude. And yeah. I, I'm no, I'm no college expert by any level. I too depend on people like Bobby Gerald, but I was like, man, I, you know, if they want to do, we're not going anywhere next year. If they'll do it, I'll, I, I'm why, why can't we do it? You know, let us have a future guy. So I, I couldn't have been happier once he started getting healthy and, and the way he was starting to play towards the end of last year. Um, you know, I, I understand Blade messed all that up mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, from the front. But I thought the big problem was that because Vlade didn't pick up the option, they could only offer him like 3.98 or some somewhere in that in, yeah. in that area. He signed with Portland for like one less than 1.7. So did the Kings offer him the four and he said, no, I'm moving on? Or did they not even... Because they, if if it was them not even offering, I can't blame that on Blade. They, they yeah. Portland got him for one and a half, more or less. Yeah, my guess is Monty McNair doesn't give a fuck who your fan favorite is. So we can't <laughs> really ass. then, yeah, even ass. though I wish he would have, we can't really then keep blaming that on Vlade because he signed for much, uh, almost a third of that. Sure, no, they, and, 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 can, and though because he, it would have given the option, right? And I mean, if, if an organization's done you wrong, wouldn't you exactly. take less money to put it but, in your face uh, later? But that option would have been way more than like $4 million probably. So, uh, I'm, you know, in theory, like a year ago. It, I don't no, know. I'm, I'm just saying, but believe me, I'm not happy that he's gone. But also, in the end, I, I don't think it has anything to do with like him not carrying Monty McNair. In the end, I, I'm not convinced at this point that that um, Harry and, and and Bags could play together. I'm not I'm not sure that either one of them could stretch the floor too much until one of them proves it on a on a consistent basis. And and so we we almost I I know they're not the same player, but offensively, as far as like floor spacing and stuff, mm-hmm. um, I I like Harry's tight game more personally, like the passing. You know what I mean? I yeah. love players with skills, but I I commitment wise. I'm not sure that Harry and bags can work together long-term. And that's like, that's, that's okay. I mean, in, in, in truthfully at this point, like it doesn't matter. Like you, yeah, you, you're, you're right. Like Harry's, you know, Harry's in Portland now. And I think what it, it boiled down to in terms of you're right. There's, there's nothing we could blame on Vladdy at this point, because what would have happened is 
I think a lot of people, including myself, thought Harry would get, I don't want to say like a bit, he wasn't going to get a big offer. I thought he was going to get a decent offer for a little over the league minimum elsewhere. He essentially I th- I thought he could get like two, three years from somebody, even right. if it was. Yeah, I thought but he'd get a real contract. He's still unknown. And the unknown is his health. And the unknown is, and this is the case with, he was in Sacramento. And and people look at Sacramento as like Death Valley, you know? And so it's like, well, we think there might be something here. We just got to get them out of Sacramento, getting them in a different basketball environment. Now, I think that perception is going to change with Monty McNair here. At least that's, you know, maybe that's uh, I'm, I'm hopeful thinking, wishful thinking on my part that it's going to change with Monty McNair here. But I, I do think that's the case. And... You're right. We can't we can't blame Vladi for that part. But I think the idea was, well, he would have been here. Like he, we would have already picked up his option. He would have been here, and we've got a chance to see him. And again, he's a fan favorite. You know, we talk a lot about this. Rashawn Holmes. You mentioned Rashawn Holmes earlier, and potentially trading him because Hassan White said, "Do people love Rashawn Holmes? They love the way that he plays, and he's a crowd favorite. And that's just ultimately like my like like." Uh, Monty McMahon is like, this is my first GM job. This is my first, I'm the head guy here. I've got to build out this roster. It's really cute that Sacramento loves Harry Giles. He doesn't fit with what we're trying to do. So they brought in a more a, a, a more veteran big. You could make the argument, well, they could have given Hassan Whiteside's money to, to Harry Giles. You're absolutely right. They could have. But the fact is, you're trying to get your- Doesn't you're, bring the same thing to the roster. That's, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Uh, yeah. We got to oh, be cool with that as fans. Like we got to be cool with our, our favorites. Yeah. Not being the favorites of the new <laughs> regime. If the new regime's got a plan, we need to go with it. Jack, I know you want to jump in. Come on. Uh, So, so like, like I, I, I don't think it's not that, uh, I don't think that it's Monty McNair doesn't care about our, you know, the fan favorites, but as far as after, after Vladi made the decision to not sign him, and, you know, he had the opportunity to re-sign here, really, because if we were going to spend the money on Hassan Whiteside, we could have spent it on him. But at, at the point where free agency opened, he's probably, uh, Harry Giles also needs time to develop, just the same as Marvin Bagley. Uh, and at, at the point where free agency opened, you had, like, he was buried probably third in the death chart, yeah. you know, beh- behind Marvin Bagley and uh isn't Halliburton also like similar position no Halliburton is more yeah he's smaller he's more in that he's he's going to be working around De'Aaron he he fits more into the bogey conversation than he does the Harry conversation but I I I remember reading this and it was like somebody I can't remember where but they were talking about how really he'd be third option the same thing the same issue with uh, last season, how he kind of, you know, coasted along. And then once he got playing time, that's when it was like, oh, you know, he's he's starting to develop a little bit more. But, you know, he still was always in foul trouble. He still had all these problems. And that's all going to be, that's all a part of developing. You have to have time on the floor. And there's if there's not enough time, if there's not enough minutes to go around, I'd rather go to Portland where I might have a little bit more time. Sure. And it's and it's funny. <laughs> Hassan Whiteside was like he's like third mm-hmm. or fourth option in Portland too, though. Yeah. Well, it, right it, now, it, maybe not quite because re- you remember Hassan Whiteside left. Like Hassan Whiteside yeah, was yeah. the guy who filled in with uh, Nusip Yurchich out, and so they 
They didn't. I mean, they they did literally switch places. I'm I'm sure Harry's uh, place on the depth chart is going to be a little bit different than Hassan Whiteside would, but that's ultimately what happened. The the, the two guys just just switched places with Harry winding up in Portland and Hassan Whiteside winding up in in, in here in Sacramento. Um, it, it, what do you guys think about Buddy? Uh, I I mean, they've got two elite. NBA skills on the entire roster, right? Fox's speed, Buddy's shooting. Mm-hmm. Let's try to make it work. That's what I think. He's annoying in the press, but he works hard. <laughs> and you got to like that. Well, it's funny. Like, Marshall brought this up on the show today. He, he and, I, and I noticed it. like, Corey Joseph spoke today. Uh, Woodward spoke today. Like, a lot of guys have talked today. Uh, Buddy Heald has not yet talked. Uh, a week into, or I think it started December 1st. So four days uh, into this, no, nobody, no Bagley yet. He's showing growth, right? That's, that's what everybody wants. <laughs> He's showing maturity and growth right there. <laughs> I, I absolutely hate it when players like negotiate all their stuff through the media. It's yeah. not, even though like for me, because I personally can't read body language. So it gives me more personally, like more, Hmm. you know, of what's going on than I normally get. And I still hate it. It's not the right way to be part of a team. Nevertheless, it's kind of funny to watch this, uh, uh, so to speak, (laughs) watch this roller coaster because like at the end of the first year, when buddy was a, a rookie we first got him you know bogey and, and fox were our future and then bogey came and banged up and buddy had a great year and buddy and and then fox were our future and then you know last year it went back to bogey and fox are our future it's like we've been on this roller coaster ride but as far as like trying to make those three basically three starting guards but you know play not if it's never worked under Jaeger or Walton as far as trying to make those three, like all wings on, on the starting lineup. We're just too small, whatever, all the, the, you know, it just didn't work for whatever reasons. And, you know, now that problem's uh, uh, gone and and everybody's still tripping on buddy. I'll, I'll never appreciate his doing nonsense, but I have no doubt in my mind, if he plays all the games, even at 72 games, he's going to hit like 180 or more, <laughs> you know, three pointers, which I expect, we don't know, but I expect is a Monty McNair way of playing. Monty McNair, I think you pointed this out on, on your 1320 show that Monty McNair didn't mention bogey in the, uh, in his opening, as little as he said, yeah. he said, I love buddy. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I love buddy. Buddy's going to be shooting for us. Yep. I don't know who's going to coach him. I yep. don't know who's going to rebound, but buddy can be shoot. He sure did. Yeah, he sure did. Well, man, I, I, I'd i be really interested to see what, what Alvin Gentry thinks of Buddy yeah. Hill because as much as, like, we want to know what Monty McNair thinks or Luke Walton, whether he's a lame duck coach or not, like, I, I want to know what Alvin Gentry thinks of Buddy Heald because, I mean, I hope that stylistically he's running the the show so to speak on offense now i'm a little bit concerned by walton's quote in a wisinger's article article on king's herald where like the first line is you won't see a lot of changes i hope we see some changes luke <laughs> like you, you got a great shooter who is not good at handling the ball he handled the ball a lot last year didn't shoot enough yeah like come on now i mean i can see that from my couch yeah we that's i think that's the thing with buddy is if you just put him in a position you 
the less the ball in his, is in his hands. I always make, I, I can't, I know it. I, I'm sorry. I know I make the same comp over and over B again. Clay, B clay. That's it. Catch shoot. You'll score that way. You, 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 you want 28 points per game. You want whatever, like you'll do that if you stop trying to create your own shot. And I I've always tried to differentiate the difference, a great scorer, a great shooter, James Harden. I don't like him. Not my favorite. Great score, buddy. Great shooter, buddy. Unfortunately for all of us wants to be James Harden. And it's like, he wants to be Kobe Bryant. That's probably a better example. That was his guy. He wants to be Kobe Bryant. It doesn't work, man. Like that's not you. That's not your game. Um, can we put our can we put our our, our, our drinks up? What is everybody drinking, by the way? Mine's gone. I, I know. I I know you got uh, Terramana men's drinking. Well, are you drinking an energy drink? What is that? I got a rockstar. I I I am a new father to twins. I need to stay awake oh, as much oh, as possible. Oh, yeah. I got a six you, week. You got a three year old. You got a long night. No wonder you listen to the podcast. Thanks, buddy. You got you got a long night ahead of you. Uh, Neil, what do you got? fireball baby oh my I gosh actually, i uh I, i've always been a jack and coke person okay i uh i i'm trying to, i i actually haven't even been drinking really but i i'm trying to stay away from sugar in 2020 yeah yeah man <laughs> I heard... I, before the pandemic man honest to god i weighed like a, a few months before that, like 225. I'm 175 right now, baby. So good for I, you. Uh, I, I went up. I there's. I I'm not. A, I've never been big on straight alcohol. So I figured. Oh man. Fireball. I I, I do go. that straight. And I've had two glasses. I'm hammered <laughs> right now, dude. <laughs> I'm hammered. Jack, what do you got? I just I had a little little itty bitty bottle of a uh, Johnny Walker Blue Label. There you go. Oh, drank that already. I've started drinking a lot more. Like I, I obviously drank the two. I started drinking a lot more whiskey lately. I, I'm yeah, suddenly, what is that whiskey? I tried to buy it the other day. Well, I couldn't find it. What was it called again? Uncle Nearest. I'm it's, making a uh, note right now. It's really. I, I, I enjoyed it. Like, of course, but I'm not a big. I just started drinking whiskey with that one. I was looking for a a black owned distillery, and I found them, and that was the only one I could buy. Everything was available you know, in, in Tennessee or in Kentucky or whatever, that was one of the few that I could buy. And I was like, I'm going to support this. And I, I have like, this is freaking fantastic. Like I drank it all, all day, the day after Thanksgiving, like uh, I enjoyed it, but man, thank you guys. Be, 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 uh, be careful following Damien's recommendations. I, I don't know about his whiskey. This dude drinks tequila like he's De'Aaron Fox in his new Max Steelers. Oh, this is good Oh, no, stuff, no, 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 not this one. Careful. No, 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 no. Follow stuff, this though. dude. No, Ter- Terramana is a lot like th- one of the reasons I love Terramana is because for tequila, I don't like mixing drinks like you were just talking about, Neil. Like I, I like I always like if I'm going to mix something, one cup, zero, on like side. this is the only way that I'll do it right here. But I um, what is it? Casa Azul. You're right. It was like a hundred dollars a bottle. <laughs> I was like, God bless it i cannot develop a drinking habit habit with this with this bottle of tequila so the one thing i really liked about terramana is it drinks smooth like i can i can sip on this and it and it, and it drinks smooth. i'm literally doing a commercial for it which is which is wild because they're not paying me but it's the rock so i'll support him it's I, like i really love the taste of it and you're right what, what did you call it i always pronounce it wrong Re- reposado 
Yeah, I hope Blanco. I'm right. if you, if here's a little Blanco, note. You're gonna put it back. Blanco is trash. <laughs> like, do not, absolutely the, trash. The is such trash. Like, do not drink that. I um, I text you after I got the the Blanco and I made a drink. I'm like, Damien, this is awful. And you're like, Yeah, that's that's what I mix with. That's yeah. what I mix with. You don't yeah. want to do that. Sorry about that. that That's I okay. I should have been clear. Yeah, that, that Blanco was just just absolute trash. But yeah, I couldn't, like, I was like, I could, that's a hundred plus dollars a bottle. I was like, I can't, I'm not going to do that. This is a pretty, for, you know, for the price, which is like 30 something dollars, I think, 30, $32, $35. It's said a, like it's 32. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a smooth drink. It doesn't have the same scent that some of the higher end tequilas have like the 1942 and all of that. But in terms of its taste, it's, it's really good. Uh, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you guys, man. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your support of the radio show and the podcast and the be her podcast platform. And I promise, man, we're going to, we're going to do this regularly. So guys, cheers. Uh, cheers, brothers. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. Thanks for having everybody, us, man. Everybody and thank well. you so much for thank tuning you, in dude. here to the podcast on the be her podcast platform. <laughs>